I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio as we continue to stay with the question and how policing has changed since the death of George Floyd, what still needs to be reformed. I'm very pleased to be joined by Chris Burbank, who, of course, is the former chief of the Salt Lake City Police Department. Currently, Chief Burbank is the vice president of strategic partnerships with the Center for Police Equity. Uh, really important in uh, those national conversations, national initiative and justice database, uh, really helping to shore up trust and confidence in policing and our police officers around the country. Uh, Chief Burbank, thanks for joining us today. Boy, it's always a pleasure to be with you. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Uh, you've been uh, involved in these conversations and uh, and this for a, a long time. And, and let's start with just a, a little bit of a reflection in terms of what do, what do you see as some of the, the positive changes that have taken place uh, since a, a year ago today? Well, we're seeing more and more police agencies across the country start to identify that it's not about doing the same work differently. It's about doing or questioning why are we doing some of the work that we're doing and maybe changing that. Uh, that's that's uh, I'm so glad to hear you say that, because so often we we end up we, we have a tragedy or we have something that sparks public interest. And uh, sometimes we do these wild swings, a lot of motion, but not a lot of forward movement. And sometimes it's because we're asking the wrong question or or doing the wrong job. And, and so I think beginning with that kind of mindset of are we doing the right things? Why are we doing this and doing it this way? Uh, and then what comes next is, is the real the real question. Uh, as you look at the uh, kind of the status of, of police and police officers around the country, what what is the what is your sense in terms of the feeling of uh, where, where's their mindset today? Well, un- unfortunately, I think in a lot of circumstances we've gotten into an us against them sort of attitude, and the notion of police reform, which I'm not fond of the word reform, I like reimagine much better yeah. than reform. But the idea of reimagining police and looking at what we're doing critically and saying, is this what we as the public want? Is not anti-police. And it, it absolutely is not anti-individual officer. Right? This is what we should be doing. Mm. We can identify through a little science that, boy, the outcome of policing has got some bias inherent in it. And why is that? How can we change that outcome? And that doesn't mean that it has to be 
uh, hate relationships. Yeah, that's right. And functioning from that position of strength, helping everybody recognize that we are all in this together because it is ultimately about our communities and our neighborhoods. And uh, I, I love that you're we always use the term outcomes. What are the desired outcomes in, in all of this? And so as we as we do reimagine uh, and look at what those outcomes should be uh, with those partnerships between citizens and law enforcement, uh, we know some of the uh, the shifts have, have involved bringing in uh, social workers to do some of those jobs that have sort of fallen on the shoulders of, of police officers. Well, we've traditionally in this country have this ready force of police officers that work 24 hours a day. So whenever we're shorthanded in any situation, right, and even in some cases medical situations, we say, let the police do it. And the police have not been the best equipped to do that. The other thing is policing is a very expensive resource, usually between 50 and 70 percent of any municipal budget. And so we need to start saying, all right, this is a precious resource. What should they be doing that can really have the most impact on the outcome? And then what are those other things that we can change, maybe not do, maybe have someone else do them? And I think we would end up saving money. You talk about defunding the police. If you start to take some of the responsibility and say, no, we're giving this to a a cheaper avenue to solve the problem, but a more effective avenue, then it doesn't roll over into policing into the very expensive criminal justice system. Yeah, that's uh, so vital as as we look at those, again, looking at those outcomes, who's best to do it, what is the most efficient, effective way uh, to get to those outcomes as opposed to just the default, which I think many cities have fallen into. Of It's it's just, you know, the, the police are there. As you said, they're there 24-7. Uh, we count on them for a, a lot of things. As you look forward and in your, your work, Chief Burbank, uh, what, what's the next thing? What's something on the horizon that we should be thinking about or whether it's local or, or national? What are some of the things we should be asking ourselves moving forward? Well, I, I think there's a couple really important things. One is, are we gathering the data? Because in order to know, right, are we doing the right thing? Is it impacting those things that we want? We need to make sure that data is collected. And that is all over the map across the country. And so, one, gather the data, two, have it analyzed, and make sure that analysis becomes part of the public record that then, in essence, dictates the discussion about what we should be doing. It sounds so easy when you and I sit here and solve all the problems of the world, but that is a big step forward that we have been insufficient for We'll just go with my career the last 30 years in policing. Yeah, it's so important. We we talked about this earlier uh, in the program that uh, if you look at the things that are happening in Washington, D.C., there there is broad agreement on things like data gathering, analysis, transparency once the data has been collected. Uh, and so I just keep saying, why not just pass that part? Let's just get that done. I th- both sides, all sides agree. Everybody agrees. The president will sign uh, that I'm this still afternoon. I'm with you on that. <laughs> Everyone wants the omnibus bill that's going to solve every problem from A to Z. 
And those are hard to get agreement on. That's right. On those bits and pieces, let's just make those changes as quickly as we possibly can. That's right. If we can get some some targeted strategic stuff going, that also builds some great momentum. And I actually think we'll solve a lot of the bigger omnibus type, type problems. We get these 1,500, 2,000-page bills and nobody's quite sure what they are, so they stall and they everybody raises money off of it, runs campaigns off of it, but it doesn't get us to the, the right solutions. Uh Chief Burbank, we uh, we appreciate you joining us. Always appreciate your perspective on on this, and uh, we appreciate your service during your career, especially to, uh, to all of us uh, here in the state. Well, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to be with you. All right, again, that's uh, former Chief Chris Burbank, and uh, again, I just love that perspective. Look, it's it's not too complicated to make progress, uh, and the way you make progress is targeted focused action. Focus always precedes success in anything when it comes to police reform. Let's start with the data gathering. Let's analyze the data and let's make the data transparent. And that can drive us towards better outcomes. We're going to step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, we always talk about doing something that makes a difference. We're going to dive into that just a little bit more coming up next on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.